0: Worm Hockey Podcast, episode 90. We are back with you for episode 90. We're 10, 10 short weeks, 10 short episodes short of 100. Uh, so we appreciate you guys joining us through the entirety so far. Absolutely. And uh, again, we got to put some plans in, in the works for 100 um, as well as. And 10 weeks, that's two months or so. So just for simplicity's sake, that puts us in August so that 100 won't fall at the, for the BCHL showcase. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. When is that? That's a October. First part of October. Near the end of October 20th oh, to 24th. That, okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> in Chilliwack again? All in Chilliwack. Okay. Um, last year event was split between Penticton and Chilliwack this year. It's all in Chilliwack. Okay. So, um, and so it'll be good. Hopefully we can get there again this year. Um, again, like mentioned in the last episode, at l- least to watch, and then record content in the hotel or somewhere. At the most, have a table or a suite or something to record while we're while we're in there during action, like last time. But nonetheless, hopefully, we get to be, to be there no matter I look what. Look forward so to that. That's uh, that's a good trip. Playoffs are continuing. We are now, as of this recording, the Montreal Canadiens are back in the Stanley Cup Final. They knocked off Vegas in six games at home. So, you know, good for them. And uh, as of this recording, game seven of Tampa and the Islanders is tonight. Tonight. As of this recording. Right. So one way or the other. By the time we sit down to record next week, we are going to have not only our matchup for the Stanley Cup final, but we are inevitably going to be one or two games in. A couple games into the it. Stanley Cup final. It's going so, to be great stuff.
1: My okay. uh, my 18-1 to one in the
0: preseason on Montreal is looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. Uh, Worm the Hockey Podcast on the necessary social media platforms. We say it every time. Facebook and Instagram. Worm the Hockey Podcast, at Warham the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Uh, the necessary audio platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. As well as YouTube, again another week without uh, YouTube um, since we're not on Zoom and we're still figuring out the logistics and the the technology aspect of getting cameras and everything set up for uh, the video aspect. But um, on the necessary audio platforms as well as YouTube, you can watch back some of our recent Zoom conversations there. World of the Hockey Podcast. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell. And hit the thumbs up button. Um, we're in the Hockey Podcast episode 90. Uh, we're going to jump right into it, make it a, a quick one this week for everybody. Um, but yeah, playoff, playoffs are, are their Stanley Cup Final is halfway set. Uh, and we are inching toward the expansion draft and a number of things. Um, first of all, how do you feel about Dave Haxtall? Absolutely shocked. The, the head coach in Seattle. I was
1: Absolutely shocked.
0: I was too. I was expecting Tockett or somebody.
1: I I presumed that Tockett was the front runner. Um, that's I'll get down a different uh, different road on Rick Tockett in a minute. But Haxtell tried uh, in Philadelphia a few years ago was not a good run for him. I think he's one of those guys like maybe Mike Yo, like maybe Joe Sacco or somebody like that. Tony Granado was a very good assistant coach. Some guys are not cut out to be the boss. Yep. Some guys are just better at designing power plays and and you know working penalty kill and running practice. I think Dave Haxtall is that guy at the NHL level,
0: but that's just me. It's, we'll it's funny. It's funny aside from Rick Tockett before the announcement was made. You know who the finalists were for the coaching job? Tockett, Joe Sacco, and Tony Granado. That you know, there's another surprise
1: like, why in the world would Tony uproot where he's from? And, and, you know, he was a Wisconsin Badger. He's got a great gig in Madison. He's a great guy. He's a, he's obviously a good coach and a great recruiter from what he's put together since he's just been there, which is a very short time. Why would you let that go? Why would Dave Haxtell have ever left North Dakota and gone to that you know, to the cauldron of the NHL. I mean, I get it from a competitive standpoint. You want to be at the top of the game. But, man, there are some, some of those deals are just a fool's errand. You take a really good opportunity to coach at a very high level in the NCAA and have stability for sometimes 10, 15 years.
0: Well, the NCAA does something that Major Junior and the NHL does not And they, when they have a coach, they have a coach. You rarely see a coach get fired. If the coach is there, the coach is there. That's my point. In Denver, Guazdecki was there until Guazdecki retired. Exactly right. If, you know, Jim Montgomery was there until Jim Montgomery went to the NHL. Bingo. You know, things like now David Carl. Is there Jack until Parker until Boston. Carl decides either to retire or move on? But they're there. They're not. They're not removed. And so I get that the pay might be a little better in the NHL level, but the stability is better at the NCAA. And it's you and, know, it's and you could like argue based in, in in North Dakota and these different places that it's it's a cushier place, right? It's nice. You you could argue there's nicer facilities at some NCAA programs than there is in some NHL yeah. programs. Well, oh, yeah. And so, and you are not under the same kind of fire. You are not. No, you are not. You are not
1: being. You are not dodging flaming arrows every day when yeah. you don't win.
0: So anyway, Hackstall is now the head coach, first head coach in franchise history of Seattle. Does that? Do you think that that pre early season predictions? Do you think that that affects Seattle's chances of being successful the way Vegas has? No, it shouldn't, because Vegas uh, Vegas went into it with. You know, now Now they have DeBoer, but they went into it with Galant and they went into it with these guys, these tremendous head coaches and, Right. and nothing against Haxtell, but at the NHL level, he's not one of those guys. So does that affect? Because you look, based on our conversa- short conversation this week, we're going to talk about things like that, about what the effect a coach has. And I'm going to definitely make note of that when it comes to Montreal, what the effect a coach has on their players. Yes. So I, does it, you know, it, well... Until Dave Hackstaff proves
1: himself as a head coach, the the question is a hundred percent valid. Uh, Gerard Gallant did prove himself as a head coach in in Vegas. They were also playing with house money mm. because there was no expectation there. Now the expectation is going to be much higher. For in Seattle. Yeah. Seattle. They're not going to be a Cinderella team the way Vegas was in year one. People are and going to expect they're going that they're
0: expansion. It. So unlike Columbus, and Minnesota, twenty years ago, right? You're like Vegas. So compete, and if you don't, then what does that say? But
1: so based on that, and I just uh, on the Dave Haxtell subject, uh, real quickly, there is a we talk with our with our favorite goaltender uh, often about the situation in Anaheim and how that franchise sits still with Dallas Eakins. They went through Bruce Boudreaux and they went through Randy Carlisle and they, they've just been in the doldrums now for about 10 years. And there they sit doing nothing in the off season roster wise, doing nothing with their coaching staff. And they are, Uh they're borderline abysmal. And when, and their roster is not that bad. And that, will play into where we're headed here today, I think, but that's a pretty good roster. They don't have superstars. They don't have any, you know, other than maybe John Gibson, uh, the closest thing they have to a real marquee player, but they've got a real solid roster. That is not a 30th place team.
0: No, but here's the
1: deal. And Rick Tockett belongs there. Rick Tockett gets the most out of his players. He and Rod Brindamore, they get the most out of their players. Anaheim should have let, Eakins go and brought in Rick Tockett immediately.
0: Hundred percent. Here is what I will say on that though, real quick: is that coaches do a tremendous job, but only co- coaches can only do so much. Now, and Tockett in the Anaheim discussion, I say the same about Arizona. Arizona doesn't have a bad roster either. If you look at them, no, Chickren not... and and Ekman Larson and these and these yeah, guys, they've they're been... they're they're got a pretty good feisty team. Tocket is a tremendous coach. He gets the most out of them. That's why Arizona has competed for at least the final wild card spot in the last number of years. But notice how Arizona only went so far because they don't have that depth because they don't go out in the offseason and make those big splashes and To me, Anaheim's in the same position. You can change the manager, you can change the coach, you can do whatever. They got a good young lineup, but they're not doing anything to grow. They're not doing anything to adapt and change, while every other team around them is. Your your competitive playoff teams, your Vegases, your Colorados, your... New York's your I mean these teams every year they flunk out of the playoffs and in the offseason they do something to make a change whether that's the coach whether that's trading one or two players whether that's whatever they do something to stay with the times and keep moving and your roster can be tremendous but if you just sit still then all these other teams start climbing and you're right here now you've got a good roster but now you're competing with all these different changes and you're only going to get so far. So, Anaheim's got to do in the Anaheim discussion, I don't know how much our favorite goaltender actually listens to our show, but <laughs> if he is, whether he wh- whether he wants to admit it out loud or not, he he should agree. Anaheim's got to do more than just change the coach. Anaheim's got to make some sort of splash and change. And it was the argument you and I were making with with him. A number of years ago, when Bobby Ryan was still there, and all these things happen, cap this, whatever that, a change has to happen. Just because yep. you have a personal investment in something, or because the roster looks good on paper, doesn't mean that if you flunk out or you this or that, that doesn't you don't make changes. Something's got to change, and whether that's move gets left for draft picks, whether that's something's got to change aside from Dallas Eakins. Dallas Eakins is a big one, but it's not the only one. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Yeah, you're, that's absolutely right. They, as I said at the outset, they don't have a marquee player. Uh, maybe Ziegris is going to become that guy. Maybe Jamie Drysdale is going to become that guy. But at this point, they don't have, they're going to either, they, they've got, what, second overall pick this year? They're yeah. going to, this is a difficult draft to have that top half of the, half of the first round pick because you haven't seen the guys. Some of the guys haven't played much. Some of them haven't played at all. Some of them have been playing in Europe. It's, it's such a jumbled up mess that, as we said a few weeks ago, this is, going to be that, this is going to be that year that you're going to be five years from now, you're going to look back at the summer of 21 and say, wow, this guy came out of the fourth round. Look at him, this Braden Point that came out of the third round. Wow, what a gem, this guy. What a steal. And and that goes, this all goes back to the intangibles that yep. we talk about all the time. Y- you've got to have a marquee player. You've got to have um, good coaching. But there's about 15 teams with a marquee player or two or three. Got to have more than that. And good coaching. And they're sitting at home right now.
0: Yep. Well, and, the, the intangibles, you know, and, you know, like... To close out, you know, that and move into the tangibles, I've got a personal investment in what's going to happen with Landeskog in Colorado. Right. But at the end of the day, if Colorado's a contender, I love Landeskog. Tremendous, tremendous player, tremendous leader. But he doesn't break Colorado's cup chances if no. you if you lose him. Losing Ranton or McKinnon might, or McCarr might, but losing Landeskog, God knows I love Landy, but... He doesn't break their cup chances. So if you lose him, you lose him. And if you're going to continue to compete for a cup, you've got to be able to adapt to losing him and find a way to to stay up in the cup contender discussion without Gabe Landeskog. It can be done, but you've got to find a way to do that because he doesn't break colorado's cup chances
1: it will hurt if they lose him to seattle it'll for hurt example, but it, for nothing if they lose yeah. him for free that's gonna that's going sting
0: it'll sting the way losing stasny for nothing right stung but aside from that losing him doesn't break you no so you you look at it objectively i don't want to see landy go god knows i'm a diehard avalanche fan I, I love landy but from an objective standpoint he doesn't break your cup chances so Find a way to respond to another second round loss and move forward, whether Landy's part of that solution or not. And oh, our favorite goaltender has to look at it the same way with Anaheim, you got to look at it the same way with Toronto, things like that from a personal perspective. Right. Now, the intangibles, Montreal. Here's what I will say about Montreal we talk a lot about come playoff time, you need the big physical luchiches and guys like that because the playoffs is a heavy game yep with montreal and i i said this to you the other day while we were just sitting watching hockey i would argue it's less about that and more about the players buying into playing that style of game right no you look at you look at you look at montreal their biggest guy is josh anderson And from a, from a physical perspective, obviously they have stall and they have Armia and they've got guys like that, but from a, from a physical fighting in your face perspective, Anderson's their biggest guy, but yet with Byron and Gallagher and Caulfield and you name it and they're in the Stanley cup final and they've knocked off the Vegas golden Knights, a team that I told you off recording and i told the listeners on recording that i wasn't sure montreal could get through right i didn't i was 99 convinced montreal would not get through colorado or vegas and they did and it's because not because they have a physical game or because they've got guys who play that game but it's because whether it's management whether it's coaching those players bought into playing playoff style hockey in Montreal. In Montreal. Right. They bought into playing that style of hockey. And what it proves is you don't is if you're Toronto, if you're Colorado, if you're Anaheim, if we're talking about our favorite teams, if you're Dallas, if you're anybody, you don't need to go out and have those in your face guys at the trade deadline. What you need is a way to pick up your team from by the collar and get them to buy into playing playoff style hockey. Correct. That's what you need. However you do that, whether it's going out and getting a Josh Anderson to wake him up and go, This is how we want to play, fine. But you gotta find a way to get your team to buy in to playoff style hockey. And Montreal has done that. And now they have a chance. They are four wins away from lifting the Stanley Cup for the first time in what, twenty five years, twenty-six years. Yeah. So it's a to me, it's about Buying into playing that style of game more than it is having guys that play that game. It's because you can get big guys, you can get big guys, but it's hard to teach them to produce, but you can take producers and you can, you can hound them and you can teach them how to play that. The physical playoff style game. I, that's a hundred percent agreed.
1: You can take that. You, if you can have a physical guy, he doesn't necessarily have the skill to get it done. But if you have find the skill guy, whether it's to Foley or or Josh Anderson or whomever find the skilled guy that's going to then turn around and follow the example that Brendan Gallagher sets every night that your coaching staff insists on and that your leadership group all buys into then you are the you cannot be the one guy in that room who doesn't play that style of game I look at I look at the the teams that lose out and the reason that The reason they're gone and the reason that that, uh, the bet.com and all those, everybody loses so much money on them, it's not because they can't play. It's not because, the like, does anybody have a better defense than Vegas? Does anybody have bigger, more skilled forwards up and down the lineup than Vegas? Probably not. I'd say probably Mark Stone is banged up because he does not look like Mark Stone. And he's not give. It's not just that the puck's not going in the net. He doesn't look all over the ice like he is healthy. He skates away from checks. He never does
0: that. True, but would would you but. say that's that, or Montreal did what Colorado couldn't, and that is they played so consistently and so sound defensively that their their big guys just couldn't produce. Bingo. Or is it a mixture of both? It's because four it,
1: lines play in the same way. Whether and Forget one through four. It's all four lines playing the exact same game. It's six large defensemen who cannot be pushed off the puck down low. It is uh, a system that the guys do not deviate from whether they're down one or two or they're up one or two. They don't deviate. It's good goaltending. It's sturdy coaching. It's all those intangible things. And it's And we go back to heart, and you can't measure it. Heart and chemistry are the things that you have to have. You look at the St. Louis Blues when they won. It was magic. It was everybody doing whatever they needed to do for Craig Berube. It was a hot goaltender. It was a big mobile defense. It was timely goals. It was a system that never deviated. There are 10 teams every year that have all of the qualities we talk about to win. The heart and the intangibles, the, the buy-in, have to show up at the right time. You have to give guys credit for, you know, whether it's, whether it's Mark Stone now or whether it was uh, Austin Matthews in the playoffs or something, for guys being banged up and still trying to play and just not being themselves. 100%. That happens, but it happens to everyone. Uh-huh. So there are a lot of teams. Every year there's 10 or 12 teams sitting at home, while somebody skates around the ice with a cup wondering what happened that's what happened and that's what you cannot measure it's not that it's not that Vegas doesn't have heart it's not that they don't have the intangibles or the size or the coaching or the goaltending or any of the other things it's it's that it's the timing to make it happen at the right time it's making that 15 foot putt on the 18th green it's it's being able to make the save at the right time to force a turnover at the right time big stage
0: big opportunity oh yeah it's the little things it's intangibles but it's also getting them to buy into that style of game correct and they that's why so many people lose so much money because they can't <laughs> because seriously because they can't differentiate between the st- between the two different styles of hockey that is the regular season in the playoffs right. so they see a colorado or vegas winning the president's trophy and just tearing it up right and so they put all their money there because oh my gosh how could they lose right but then playoff hockey comes around and it's a different style of game it is a heavier game not not heavier like i just said about who you have in your lineup but it's heavier because guys buy into that style you can you can i can't say it enough you can have all the biggest guys all you want but they're not going to produce at the, at the rate that a McKinnon or a McDavid or somebody's going to produce. No. But if you come in and you get all your guys, your superstars included.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: To play the playoff style of game in the corners, in the hard areas, grinding, pushing, forward checking, cycling, playing that style of game, then you're going to be successful. But you can be the smallest, you can be the biggest. You're going to flunk out if you're not playing that style of game. And the style of game is the intangible. The style of game that is the playoffs is... It's what comes from the heart. Is what comes from the heart. Right. So playoff hockey is intangibles. Exactly. Playoff hockey is that. And if you don't have that, then it doesn't matter how big your lineup is size-wise. If you don't play that that way. And you don't have those intangibles and you don't play that style of game. You're going to be sitting at home or on the golf course. Do you remember
1: our discussion of the uh, trophy winners? We had a, we had a brief discussion one time months ago about who we thought might win various trophies. And I kind of laughed at myself for mentioning it at the time, but I said that among the most valuable players in the league on every team that probably know that there, there was nobody more valuable singularly to his team than Brendan Gallagher. And I stand by that, because this guy, he gets he gets beat and battered, and he he does everything right in front of the net. He plays like he's six five, and the guy is five nine on a thick rug. He never gets knocked off the puck. He never takes a night off. And how can you possibly be a huge guy like Josh Anderson or Tyler Toffoli or even just a a great role player like Philip Deneau or a defenseman like Shea Weber and say, this kid is 5'8", 5'9", 175, and look what he does, look what he sacrifices. How can I not jump over the boards and play that way? How can I not be dragged into this fight by this guy? And uh, he is—he is absolutely the epitome. He will not win the con Smythe. He won't win the Hart Trophy. He won't win a an Art Ross or anything like that. But he is as valuable to that team
0: as anybody is to their team, including Connor McDavid. One hundred percent. And that's why you know Colorado missed Matt Calvert. Yeah, because if Matt exactly. Calvert was healthy, he would have done the same thing for Colorado. Yep. Now, and again, I stand by what my point. It's not about who you have in your lineup, and it's about no matter who it is buying into that style, whether Gallagher's in the lineup or not. But you, it does help to at least have a guy who can lead the way and lead by example on how to play that style of game. So with that understood, and there's really no arguing that this isn't a matter of
1: opinion. Well, it's ra- fact. Go back and pick a cup. Go back and pick anybody who wins at anything. And there is an intangible factor. There's a heart factor. There's a chemistry factor. Whether it's between player and caddy or between assistant coach and power play, there is a there is a an intangible factor there. So the sixty four million dollar question now is, how do you harness it? How do you find it? It's not just like you. It, it, as you said, it, you're exactly right. It is not a matter of the size of the player. It's not a matter of the skill or speed of the player. It's not a matter of where they grew up or how they've been, how they were developed. How do you find that right combination? Why is it that Nick Foligno and and Wayne Simmons really didn't flourish in their roles as heavy down low forwards in Toronto, and yet Philip Deneau did and Toffoli did.
0: To me, to me, it's a...
1: Where do you find it? How do you harness it? How do you draft it? How do you put it in your dressing room? Where
0: does it come from? Well, to me, especially now more than ever in these, this few years of flat salary cap, you kind of have to do it from within. First of all, it's not just goalies anymore that are hard to come by because of salary. Right. Everybody is. And so you're looking at a situation and and it's something that... On a quick side note, that's kind of baffled me a little bit about how, you know, Vegas or somebody handles their offseason in terms of salary. Um, and it, it has for years. These teams that want to dump salary, but then they bring in a guy that will make the, <laughs> next to the same amount. Right. St. Louis, I, I got to get rid of Petrangelo. I can't afford Petrangelo, but then I'm going to sign Tory Krug to basically the same type of contract. Right. Right. Things like that. How, that being said, though, to me, to me, this is where the, the coaching comes in. To me, this That's is where the, the right coach has has to be in place because, because, again, if it's not about having the big guys, so it's not about going at the deadline and picking up a Josh Anderson, but it's about having the guys within your lineup buying into that style. There's only one way to get them to buy into that style constantly. And that's the right coach. Look at Rick Tockett in Arizona. That Correct. team plays a playoff style game during every the regular night. season. They play every, like Rick every night. Tockett
1: played every night. Every night. Yeah.
0: And they are a pain in the ass to play against. Absolutely. You may walk out with two points, but they're a pain in the ass to play against. Yep. They make you earn it. Whether you win by nine goals or you win by one, they make you earn it. Yep. And and that's the style of game that you that is needed in the playoffs and that's the type of coach you need not every coach can do that as is as is evidenced and you you got it it's the coaching well, so because you can have a style of coach like Bednar like Bednar but he's a north south skill coach he's a speed coach clearly it hasn't worked in the playoffs yet in terms of of getting the team to buy into playing that style whether that's Bednar being removed whether that's Pulling Bednar in and changing how he does, changing his approach. I don't know, but the point is, the coach has to be the first line of attack, basically, in terms of the leadership to get the team to buy in. Then you can get a, a Gabe Landeskog and your your captains and your locker room leaders to to help with it. But the coach has to lead the charge. It's and like if the coach any other doesn't organization. have it. Eakins doesn't have it in Anaheim, no. and you see it. No, even, even though that's a good roster on paper, he doesn't have it, and you see it at the end of every year in the standings. And
1: further than that, though, you're right, but even further, so take Anaheim as an example. That that franchise and Buffalo and, and there's a handful of others completely stuck in the doldrums. Real trouble, fan trouble, management trouble, all kinds of problems, terrible production on the ice. Who's, who's in charge of Dallas Eakins? It's Bob Murray. Hmm. Who's in charge of Bob Murray? Ownership. Eventually, it becomes an ownership thing. 100%. And so, uh, as, the, as the old saying goes, fish rot from the head. You get an owner like a Jeff Molson, like a, a uh, uh, who's Jerry Jones, owns the Dallas Cowboys. Steinbrenner owned the Yankees. That's an owner that will win at all costs. That's an owner that is stable and professional and will do anything to help his team win. He'll put the best people in place. What does the general manager do? He hires the best available evaluation of his coaching staff. He does a great job drafting and developing. He makes the right moves at the right time. Not too many, not too few. And if that, if the GM isn't doing those things, then he has to be replaced by the owner. If the owner isn't doing those things and, and looking after the GM, then the owner needs to be replaced by the fans and you see that happen sometimes by fans staying away in droves
0: um well, so, and that's where you see man, that's where you see owners who you know like different sport but like the Colorado Rockies yeah, who yeah. are content with the revenue they make and content with just competing yep they're just and then you get some owners who will win at all costs and they they'll do whatever, they'll make the tough decisions because they want championships, they want to win. And that's the difference. And so... A good player is really happy to make his paycheck and really happy to be here. He's happy to be in
1: the show. Yep. And a to me, that's the test. isn't happy to be there. He isn't happy until he wins. And, and you, you made a good point a couple minutes ago about it. You were talking about how it, it goes to the coaching staff or the head coach. When you look at winners, it is... There is no one thing you can point to, but it is all 25 guys. Sometimes it's the second or third string goaltender, as we've seen in Stanley Cup champions in the past. Sometimes it's the fourth or third line guys. Sometimes it's the seventh or eighth defenseman that makes a huge impact. Goal at the right time, hit at the right time. Sometimes it's the it's the kid, it's the Cotkiniemi or the or the Caulfield that comes along out of nowhere that makes a huge impact on the team. But it's up to the coach to recognize that and make those changes as you go and make those adjustments. It's up to the general manager to have brought the right kid in or the, made the right veteran move. But what's the common thread here? We we talked about it from from the trainers. All the way to the owner, to the equipment guys and stuff. It's everybody. It takes everybody pulling the same rope in the same direction at the right time, and and having a, a hundred percent buy-in. And I'm not I'm not saying that the teams that 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 have flunked out of the playoffs don't have a hundred percent buy-in or they don't have heart. Not saying that at all. But there is an intangible missing, and it might have been a bad injury. It might have been a fluke goal it might've been a lot of things, a crossbar here or there, but there is something missing. And part of it, I don't want to say luck because you create your own luck, but part of it is just the way the puck bounces. And, and you get it, you get the right bounce at the right time in the first round. You may go all the way, you get the wrong bounce or the, uh, you know, the wrong injury or the wrong turnover at the wrong time. And you're at home. So, I'd say luck is a very small part of it, but it is a part. Every single guy counts. And when you look up and down a roster, it's not it's not the goaltender, it's not the the superstar, it's not even the coach. It's everybody doing their job and doing it a hundred percent and doing it every single shift, every single night, doing it in the off season, doing it on off days. It, I think every every player on every team that has ever been at the top would tell you the same thing. Everyone, we need every guy. We need the guy in the press box. You may be, you may be on the ice tomorrow night. You may be out there with a minute and a half to go in a tie game. You got to be ready. Yep. So everybody's got to be. Everybody's got to do their job. Yep. And I guess that's where heart comes in. Because it can never be about me. It has to be about us.
0: Well, that's part, of, that's part of why I stand by my point of it's not who's in your lineup or their size. Mm-hmm. It's about the team buying into that style. Because at any point, a Anderson, a Ryan Reeves, a Lucic, uh, I mean, name a big guy, goes down with an injury. And now he's not there. So now if you're relying on him or his line to be the one that brings that energy, well, he's not there. He's in the press box, and he can only do so much playoff-style energy from the press box. So the team has got to buy in so that if you either don't have that player or you had him but now he's hurt and now it's up to you to carry it, that you can get the job done. Next man up. And so that's why, to me, it's less about – having those guys at all and more about implementing the right mentality the right systems the right whatever to get the team to buy in what what do we because you cannot tell me based on the conversations we've had on this podcast in the past when you look on paper that the Montreal Canadians are in the Stanley Cup finals you just you cannot on paper objectively I'm sorry you can't when you look at Brennan Gallagher, Gallagher being 5'7". And you look at <laughs> Caulfield being – Caulfield, a guy you said you were worried about wouldn't be able to make it because of his size. Right. Caulfield, 5'6". You know, all this stuff. And they're not only scoring big goals like Caulfield, but they're in the Stanley Cup final, for crying right. out loud. You, on paper, you look at that team and you cannot objectively say just because they have Josh Anderson or or anything like no. that that – that oh. Stanley Cup finalists. Now, I, I, when you watch them play, that's a whole different story. When you watch them play, you go, "Wow, they buy in." Yeah, they. You you normally you normally a can't identify
1: there. those things uh, unless you're using the past tense. Yeah. but uh, you and I don't don't disagree often. But I think if you, I believe, if you go back and and listen to our preseason prediction podcasts. I, I could not have gushed any more about the Montreal Canadiens. Well, okay. So with what they did was bring in Jake Allen. They brought in Josh Anderson. They brought in Toffoli. Foley. They brought in Edmondson. But that goes that goes to and the point I, that I I took them. I I put money on them at eighteen to one in the preseason 100%. because I love what that roster did.
0: Hundred percent. Because, because you watched them play last year, correct. You saw how competitive they were, and then you see them in the offseason making the necessary changes to fill the holes that they had, right? Yep. But the point is, you watched them play, and you watched that energy, and you, you saw them before the, before and after they traded Domi and before, you know, all this stuff. You saw, yep. you saw them buy in and have that compete, right? You saw it. Yes. And that's my point. On paper, you look at that team— and you go, they're not in the cup final. Like there's, I'm sorry, but you, you, on paper there's no way they get through Colorado Vegas. There's no way they this and that. No matter, no matter what you put on in the preseason, no matter anything like that. But when you watch them play, and then, especially if you go back the past year or two, and then you see the changes they've made in the off season to accent that energy, that buy in, they accented it. By adding a Josh Anderson. So now, this this is the buy-in we have. Now we give you Josh Anderson, who's going to bring it times 10. Yep. And Toffoli. And, and, and Toffoli. 10. And Stall And all these guys. Right. Those are changes that accented the buy-in. But that buy-in was there. Those were those were just what Montreal was missing. Don't forget they changed get, head coaches, too. To get too. there. That's what Montreal was missing to get there. They had the buy-in. But these few pieces, these few holes, is what they had to fill to complete the picture. Correct. That's the only point I'm making. Is when you saw it on paper, you you may you maybe say, "Ooh, I like them," but do you fully go simply on online look at their roster on paper? Oh my gosh, do you do you say, "Ooh, they're cup finalists," or do you take on paper and then you watch them play and you combine everything and you go? they uh, have it i got a hunch on these guys uh, they you, so you you know what i mean yeah, when you when you watch them play watching them play does so much more than just paper it's like anything oh, else yeah. uh, right no it couldn't be
1: couldn't be more wrong about uh, looking at teams on paper and there's a whole lot of teams that are brilliant on paper and we we know a few uh, one of our very very first podcasts was I think January of 19,
0: January, February of 19. Yeah.
1: And I remember sitting right here saying, and you and I were talking about the same thing. We're talking about, you know, who do we, th- who do we like coming up? And we both said, N- who in the world wants to play the St. Louis blues right now? They had won like five out of six. They were kicking the snot out of everybody. Bennington was just getting hot. They had just brought Barubi in a month before. And we said, wow, I don't want these guys. I don't. I don't want to play St. Louis. They went on to win a cup. I, you know, I've been banging this Montreal drum all year long, and I'm not. I don't. I don't know how to pick a cup winner in October. But I just there. I just had a hunch on these guys, and they may or may not win. Yeah. But what a run! And so, I guess we we better we better get busy next week and make sure that we not only identify what. Everybody needs to do, but then how do you do it? (laughs) So (laughs) let's, let's unravel that mystery for the world
0: next week. But yeah, so you, you, you made the prediction on Montreal because you like their changes in the off season, but you've also seen them play and they play with, even in the regular season with that buy-in and with, you know, and with that style of play. And so when you combine the few off season pieces, they added to accent things okay it's to me it's no secret and no wonder that they're in the cup final now when you when you combine all that but maybe it's just me point only point I'm making is when you look at them strictly on paper, you go I don't see how they're there. I don't see how you know si- simply for the comparison you look at them on paper five six five seven, five ten, five 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 you know and all this stuff how are they in the cup final? But then you see him play. You see Gallagher and what he does. Caulfield and his timely goals. All this stuff, adding to Foley, Jake Allen as a as a solid backup for Carey Price. Carey Price playing on his head. Right. You see all this stuff. You see him play, and now you're like, I get it. So not so only it's did the, they,
1: not only did they get that they let Claude Julian go early in the season, who's been a proven Cup winner and a great coach and a great guy. They bring in Dom Ducharme who had a great career as a junior coach uh, never not only did they not miss a beat but they they played a very consistent style and a very solid uh, winning style all year long obviously then he gets tested positive a week or week 10 days ago he hasn't been behind the bench for this basically this entire series so they got Luke Richardson back there and not only do they not miss a beat they they win <laughs> they beat they what they won four out of the last five against Vegas cuz that's so. a
0: franchise thing so the the buy-in is there that's exactly the what you were saying the buy-in is there to playing that style of game so next man coach up. gets sick or you know has a family emergency god forbid or anything like that well just like the players it's next man up and we're just going to play our game I'll give you that. It, it, it to the to the point it really really doesn't matter who your manager is or who your coach is or this and that there's the buy in the buy in is there in that organization so somewhere uh, along you the you could line, put me there and as long as you bought the system as you could put me behind the bench but if the players are buying in I look like a genius behind the bench because right. they're playing the game it really so this is so two points I want to make here one is I have always
1: always said, uh, it, even back when I was coaching myself, it is not about the X's and O's necessarily. It's not about some fancy play or some fancy scheme that nobody ever thought of. It's about making all five guys on the ice play the exact same understanding. Yep. It, they all have to know exactly what the other guys are doing and they have to execute their job. Yep. It's not about being bigger or faster or having a, a fancier system. It is about making sure that all five guys do exactly the same thing, the exact same way every single time. Secondly, uh, you and I spend a lot of time studying the, the military, military habits. And for two guys who've never been in the military, there's nobody we respect more than that. From the, the door kickers to the top, these are guys that are trained, next man up everybody everybody behaves the same way everybody buys into the same system everybody is trained to the gills and everybody has that heart and that intangible that we're all doing the same thing It might be three guys together or two or it might be 40 or 50 but we're all doing the exact same thing we know what our what the guy next to us is doing and we buy into that system and we don't change we never deviate no matter how tough it gets so there's a lot of similarity in that and the ultimate team sport which is hockey and i don't like to refer to it as battle or you know that series was a war i don't i don't think those are i think those are terms that should be reserved for the guys who are actually in conflict but the parallels are there you know what i mean Oh yeah, so
0: hundred percent. So well, but next. anyways, I think we're beating that horse to death. But we've, um, <laughs> but it's just because it's so important. It, it, is. it, it is. It's so. obviously it's the most important thing there is. Yep. So yeah. anyway, thank you for joining in studio this week. Um, I love it. We said it would be a quick one, but it was still close to about an hour. Oh, so, okay. So, um, but thank you again for finally being in studio again. Thanks nice to be in studio me. again. Great to be here. In person. Great um, to be here. Make sure have the necessary social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Warm the Hockey Podcast, at Warm the Hockey Podcast, respectively. The necessary social media, or excuse me, social media, the necessary audio platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio, as well as YouTube whenever we do post uh, video versions there. Uh, just Warm the Hockey Podcast and you'll find us. Subscribe, rate, and review. Share with family and friends. Engage with us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, Listener, Listeners are the driving force behind what we do. We can't thank you enough for, for tuning in. Absolutely. Um, look for us here in the coming months um, if things work out in our personal lives and schedules and all this stuff to to hopefully be uh, come October at the BCHL Showcase. Um, handling content, fresher new content is going to res- resurface here come the off season with the expansion draft free agency all that stuff Uh, so look for that and uh, we will see you all next time i'm I'm evan rauer with War on the hockey podcast and we'll see you all throughout the hockey community cheers cheers